Hey, Masterpiece Makers! Today, we have the honor of talking to an extraordinary guest, the founder and CEO of Lefica Foundation, Marissa Moloto. Lefica Foundation is a social enterprise based in South Africa that specializes in social innovation, focusing on education, community development, and well-being for positive change. Marissa brings over 15 years of expertise in the development field, showcasing a dynamic journey across social innovation, entrepreneurship, education, and health in the public, private, and social sectors. Join us as we delve into the insights, experiences, and wisdom of Marissa's story. After exposure to various industries, her curiosity and holy discontent led her to unlock her purpose, pioneer a path that truly changed the course of her life, her family, and her community. So stick around till the very end. I am so pumped to share this conversation with you because on this show, we are very passionate about stories that build your faith and inspire your business. I am your host, Norbert Elnar. And welcome to the Making a Masterpiece podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Lily of the Valley Farm Retreat. Come together at Lily of the Valley. Asaka.ph, your geo solutions partner. Hello, Masterpiece Makers. Welcome to another episode of Making a Masterpiece Podcast. And as I've said in our intro, we have an extraordinary guest today. Please welcome to the show, Marissa. Hello, Marissa. Hi, Norbert. So good to see you. Thank you again for being with us, Marissa, and we're just going to go straight into it. Um, I've mentioned earlier in the introduction that you have been across dynamic journeys and fields as a career woman. You are into social innovation, entrepreneurship, education, and health in public, and you've also done private sector and all these spheres. Now, my First question would be, what inspired you to start the social enterprise? And maybe just for a quick background for our listeners, if you can quickly define to us what a social enterprise is. Okay, thanks, Norbert. So a social enterprise is an enterprise trying to do business, but doing business that is good. So we're in the business of doing good. And so if that brings about social change, social innovation, or just a betterment of the world. That is what a social enterprise does. So the social enterprise is the Lefika Foundation. I think I was less inspired and kind of felt a little bit more crazy because I'm like, what the heck am I doing? I'm not a businesswoman. I don't see myself as a social entrepreneur. Um, but the inspiration really came out of I would say a calling where I had this holy discontent where I wasn't happy. And as you mentioned, like me starting off in public health, 
moved into education, public education, moved into um, private health and private education, just feeling that discontent where the sector doesn't align, the sector doesn't speak to each other. Mm. You know, they teach you at university multidisciplinary and transdisciplinary collaboration, um, but it doesn't happen. So the inspiration really came out of trying to connect the dots myself and realizing that, oh, actually, I'm a connector. And so that journey was quite long and kind of like forging a path where I didn't mm-hmm. have, you know, a mentor. I didn't have a, a, a program or I didn't study it. I literally almost fell into social entrepreneurship. So you know how they always say, you know, I didn't find it. It found me. So social oh, entrepreneurship, no. yes, really found me. Um, when I was searching for answers, trying to make sense of why, you know, I'm in the space, why I'm in health, why I'm in education, why I'm in um, the public sector, why I'm in the private sector. And that's how I fell in love with social entrepreneurship. That's amazing. I I just have to point it out that you are one of those people that I have, I've encountered and that said that you did not think at all that you would be an entrepreneur. You felt like you did not have that uh, entrepreneurial spirit in the beginning. And um, based on your track record and your journey, it, it seemed like you were really in different spheres, but they were some sort of like connected. Now, the, my question is, how did you realize that it was for you? And why do you think God took you there? Mm-hmm. So I think... As I mentioned, feeling that holy discontent, feeling like, oh, maybe I should try a different company or move out of public into private. And that trying to find my space was really where I was looking for something, but having to come up with answers myself where I was like, oh, actually, there's nobody in the space that is exactly how I see myself. So I felt different. I felt out of a box. I felt like a square peg in a round hole, like they say. Mm-hmm. And that was really my journey of discovery was like, okay, moving from sector to sector, moving from public to private. Okay. Maybe if I do consulting and actually dipping my toe in first very safely and then doing the all in dive feeling like, okay, maybe if I immerse myself in the experience, in the context, Mm -hmm. that's where I would find clarity. And then, as you mentioned, like being in these different sectors, I realized that actually my role is an intermediary where I actually play between Mm -hmm. public and private, between private and community, between the social change activists and the public servants or trying to get government to meet with communities and get, you know, civic um, participation. So becoming an intermediary then started to make sense. And through that kind of feeling of, I don't fit into this box, I don't fit into this hole, I started to research, I started to meet with people and just like find out what inspired people to jump ship and change Mm -hmm. sectors or jump ship and change roles or even careers. Because in my mind was like, oh, you study, (laughs) you get the degree, you get the good job. You get a job and then that's it. (laughs) You work the nine to five, you you know, you get all the benefits, you get the retirement security and that, and, and particularly a girl coming from, you know, South Africa in the brown community, that was stability. 
So I definitely didn't see myself being an entrepreneur. I still feel uncomfortable calling myself an entrepreneur. But that discovery and that curiosity is what really led me to go and research, have conversations, meet with people that I didn't feel like, oh, I could even ask you, can I have a conversation with you just about mm, your career? Yeah. I remember one of the conversations I had was with somebody that left finance to pursue a career, it sounds ridiculous, in photography. Oh. And they, yeah, it makes no sense. And I just had a conversation like, why did you do it? Like, what inspired you? And his advice to me was like, I felt like I had more purpose. So even though, you know, I had to hustle and I was doing it on the side before I could do it full time. And he followed that curiosity, he followed where he felt like his purpose was growing in. And he's such a successful artist. I call him an artist, a creative, wow. because he's using his skill. Whereas, you know, I felt like having that conversation about oh, I don't feel like I fit in the finance box in a corporate office where he like takes film and video yeah, photography of people making films in the film industry or mm. just people enjoying their everyday lives. And that brought him so much joy. And I was, I was seeking that joy met with purpose. Wow. I love what you're saying that you follow the curiosity and your search not even search, but you said like the purpose was growing in and you grew into that purpose and you finally, you know, got inspiration from people. And then, of course, I'm sure the faith aspect there is strong. And then you ended up founding Lefika. Do you think that, and I think this is a common question people ask in their minds, you know, when you're doing so many different things like finance and photography they seem very distant and far from each other but once you find the true purpose do you think that the other things that you went through were a waste do you believe in that or do you think that no matter what you've been through when you finally do your purpose everything will sort of like fall into place what, do you, what can you say about that i think it took a while to realize that my journey was fully curated and like became a masterpiece at God's hand, obviously. What I found was I didn't hear those voices kind of when I jumped every time or when I'm like, oh, I'm leaving health, I'm going to education or I'm leaving yeah. education, I'm going into public, I'm going into private. Um, and the kind of the conversations around me weren't very confirming or affirming in those decisions of like, why would you do that? You've studied for four years or five years and, you know, you've built your career. Your next step is to open your own business. Where I then had those conversations of like, no, I don't feel like that's my mm -hmm. purpose. I, I realized that this is not where I want to be. I do feel that some people can feel like, oh, you know, I've, I've done the finance. It has no place here in the photography world. But I feel like each experience, each lived experience, whether it's training, whether it's working in a team, whether it's meeting clients or kind of trying to create a new system, because that's also mm. what I'm passionate about, create a new system. There's things that you learn and elements that you learn in engaging with the environment that you're in whether it's a learning environment, whether it's a working environment, whether it's a social environment. And I feel that was one of my challenges because I kept everything separate. Mm -hmm. So it took a long time for me to figure out that, oh, the lessons that I had learned in public health are applicable in public education or the lessons that I had in 
private education are actually applicable in the social sector. Mm. I struggled to, because mainly the voices that you hear are in the sector boxes. So it's like, oh no, don't bring that jargon here or no, this, this discipline or this training stays in this box. And for me, it was really trying to discover myself as a whole that I then realized that actually all those lessons created who I am, all those work experience, even the work experience that I had in my gap year has mm. crafted my art and my skill set today. So I don't think it's ever a waste. I think people would tell you that if you're making the jump. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. And I feel like it's for you to discover that calling that purpose, but for you to also connect the dots and kind of put those puzzle pieces. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you're building a puzzle, you'll only see like, oh, you know, I can't build anymore around this space. Let me start somewhere else. And then after a while, you will get the full picture, but it's knowing, okay, maybe this piece needs to just lie here for a bit before I can fit it into where the picture makes sense. Yeah, that's really fascinating, hey? Like, we don't see it while we're in it. And I'm sure there are times that when you're in a situation and it feels like a disconnect from what you imagine and you feel like, oh, this is a waste. And especially if you have been there for a long time and you've poured out energy and resources. But the amazing thing about what can happen and when you finally like walk into that purpose, it sort of like clicks in your heart and in your mind that everything that you've been through actually is connected to each other. And, and I'm just inspired by your journey, especially that you've been in different sectors. And now Lefika is able to tie them all up beautifully and empower other people. Can you tell us what Lefika does and how you're able to sort of like incorporate all these learnings from your different journey into a practical community, social innovative ways through Lefika? Awesome. So Lefika actually means rock in situ. And it was based on the scripture, Matthew 16, 18, on this rock, I will build my church. And because my training is actually allied health, that's my technical training at university, but working in education, I really felt that, like I said, that holy discontent. And I felt like education, and you know, everyone's got those education, you know, slogans or mottos or quotes, particularly like when Nelson speaks about education kind of unlocking potential, for the future. So I felt like using education as a tool was my little toolbox. And so Lefika uses education to transform spaces. So that's really where the consulting started because it's what I knew, it's what I had experience in. It's also what I felt comfortable with. So we kind of focused on education consulting and we consult to uh, socially conscious corporates where they wanted to engage with education programs or engage with um, training of uh, nonprofit organizations. Also started working with uh, academic institutions like UCT and Stellenbosch, um, either curating or refining or facilitating training programs. Um, but then, as you mentioned, like being able to bring in the different worlds, the different experiences, we really felt that we can talk about education, but if people aren't ready to receive information, you know, what good is it? So we added kind of a consulting where we consulted in community development. 
So how do we actually develop a human? How do we develop a person? How do we develop a family? How do we develop kind of the social support structures that enable somebody to thrive or kind of, you know, like an outlier effect, make it out of the, you know, challenging circumstances and the research, as I discovered and kind of followed my curiosity, the research shows that, you know, a person is only as full as the community that supports them. So really went into deep community development, asset-based community development, appreciating the strengths within a community. So yeah, that's kind of the work that we do with government, with other nonprofit organizations, helping them engage or bring their programs into the community, but in a way that strengthens a community and doesn't disempower them, where they actually have agency, they co-create solutions together. And that's how community development came out of the education um, sector where I felt like there's still something missing here. And so the final kind of pillar that we decided to include um, was well-being, because as I mentioned, the research showed that, you know, the collective well-being was also important. And we mm-hmm. found that not a lot of people go and seek that well-being. Mm-hmm. So that um, pillar came out of my time when I served in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, I went from public health, public education, private education, and made a big step into full-time ministry where I was curating, planning, and facilitating pastoral care and counseling courses, not only to the church or the internal kind of community of faith, but externally and developing programs, yes, with the communities and supporting them. What we found was that, you know, our communities, specifically in South Africa, as you can well imagine, just even being kind of post-apartheid or dealing with poverty or dealing with high crime, it's very traumatized. So we we also work on developing well-being and what does well-being look like? Because we can't come and do a training program if you're not feeling safe. How do we also create spaces for learning, for creativity where, you know, like in um, Maslow hierarchy of needs, like the basic needs of safety or food, um, are not being met. So how do we create a sense of well-being, particularly in the collective, where people feel empowered to take control of what their healing could look like, what their safety could look like, or kind of changing that narrative of, oh, we're going to empower you, we're going to give you money, or we're going to give you this, where they have ownership of what they feel like their well-being could look like. That's amazing. I love to hear that. That's such a beautiful story. It's like, you know, like a, a beautiful picture of a really a masterpiece. Like every single part has its role. And your journey has just magnified the truth that God can really use anything. Even in those moments that you don't understand why you have to do those things. <laughs> I'm going to give you an example. Yeah, go for it. Oh, when you work in full-time ministry, or even if you've worked in the, the organization we've worked in, there's that all-in attitude line where it will say all-in attitude, but they really mean whatever we tell you to do, you will do it. Where yeah. It means packing chairs or serving tea or, you know, taking attendance registers. And that really actually grounds um, the, the work that we do because we're practicing kind of not just on policy level, or this is what the research shows, or this is what government says we must, you know, roll out, but actually on that human level. And that's, Mm. I think, what also sets us apart is that we want to be 
relatable. We want to be genuine. We want to be authentic in how we engage, no matter whether you are government, whether you are very like corporate, high finance, whether you are uneducated, whether you are a volunteer or a full-time, you know, community leader. Uh, the way we engage with people is very much on that humanitarian way. We see the, the human. We want to build up that human. We want to see what's going to make them flourish. Yeah, I totally agree. And you guys are doing exceptional work and how you're able to really like bring that all together. And I think a lot of organizations really spec like that's what you've said you don't fit into a certain box so you created your own space to be of value to the people that you're serving and what you guys have done is exceptional you're empowering the leaders and developing making sure that the leaders really impact on the ground level in a more powerful way and that also i feel like it reflects also the heart of god in the marketplace that we're in Marissa, would you mind if you go back on another episode? <laughs> I think our listeners are so, uh, we're so encouraged and I'm sure we will have more questions, but I would be glad to have you on another episode in the future because we're running out of time. And on a final note, I just want to close with this question. Could you share a key life lesson from your experience for our aspiring entrepreneurs, pioneers, and community builders out there? I'm going to tie on your word pioneers because it took me only until maybe last year to realize that I am a pioneer because not fitting in that box where pioneers have to forge their own path. And so sometimes you can't listen to those around you and knowing that your conversations with yourself and with God, you know, that you can trust where you need to be, where you need to go, where you need to learn is, is going to get to get you where you need to be. So for me, I think pioneering, people often think like, oh, the success has to look like this, where even for me just yesterday, I felt like success yesterday was keeping four humans and two hamsters alive. And so in the pioneering world of social innovation and social entrepreneurship is that a win will look different every day. And being a pioneer and being kind of in the social change um, sector, sometimes we put too much pressure because we feel like this is what business success looks like. This is what financial success looks like. Mm -hmm. This is what impact success looks like because it looks like all the people, all the programs that actually redefining what success could look like for you and changing that narrative to what a significant look like in your life. Is it keeping the hamsters and the humans alive today? Is it inspiring and encouraging the other lead and understanding that sometimes it won't be all of the things in one day and being okay with laying certain things down and possibly even for a season, like I said, those little puzzle pieces, but knowing that actually we don't have to live, you know, life with duality as well. Like we don't have to live a life with this is my Jesus box. This is my church box. This is my ministry box. This is my business box. This is my family box. Because often we do that. This is my social box, but bringing your whole self and your whole identity into each space that you're in and realizing that every space that you serve in, you're bringing something, you're bringing a gift and not having to kind of cut a piece of yourself off, but bringing that full, colorful, 
artwork of yourself into the space. And I think, yeah, it took me a while to realize that I'm pioneering in that space, but also to be unapologetic about being colorful in that space, being a little bit out of the box, being a little bit set apart, being a little bit too quiet or a little bit too loud or a little bit too sparkly or colorful Mm -hmm. in your dress sense, but bringing your full self to coexist in each space and knowing that you were created to be that unique person that will create this colorful tapestry within your organization, within your community, even within your family, and knowing that God has ordained that season, God has ordained that place or that purpose for you. And just knowing and trusting that he will, you know, he will never leave you or forsake you, even if you feel like, oh, I don't know what to do next. Just trusting that God has a purpose in that season for you. Amen to that. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Marissa, thank you so much. And we cannot wait to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Norbert. I'm looking forward to being on the show again. And maybe we should do it in person. Oh, why not? Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us in this episode of Making a Masterpiece, and we will see you in the next episode. This podcast is brought to you by Lily of the Valley Farm Retreat. Come together at Lily of the Valley. Asaka.ph, your geo solutions partner. <laughs>